Hello, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Fiscal Feminist podcast. I'm very excited about today's guest because as I try to be very comprehensive in all the things that are going to affect your life, not only financially, but in your career, it's really important for me to get some people on the show who know a lot about counseling people when it comes to living their best lives, including their career choices. And I have just the perfect person to discuss all of this with me and you guys today. And her name is Danielle McCombs, and she is a life coach. And the name of her business is Danielle McCombs Coaching. So you can check that out. She has a website, she's on LinkedIn. She's also a podcast host, and the name of the podcast is The Opposite of Small Talk. So you can also check that out and hear what she has to say. I know, Danielle, you have a colleague on that one as well. Um, So welcome. Thank you for joining me today, and I'm glad you could be with us. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. I'm so happy to be here. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so you have a really interesting story in that You were in commercial real estate for, I believe, about 20 years, and then you decided you wanted to become a life coach and you pivoted. And so for me, this is very interesting. I, you know, write about this in my book. It's a chapter that I think is really important as much as knowing how to manage your finances is really important. Current, you know, intentional career choices. That's kind of the cornerstone, right? If you don't like what you're doing for a living, then it's probable that you may not keep on doing it and you may not be happy and you may not be able to build wealth because you're going to be struggling with not liking what you do for a living. So I am intrigued to hear your story. I would love for you to tell me how you got into commercial real estate, what happened along the way, and then how you made that change. So let's start with, let's start at the very beginning and I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so I will say that getting into commercial real estate was not my plan. Uh, I think most people who end up in that field, or at least my age or older, kind of fell into it. It was either a family business or it was just something you fell into, and I just fell into it. Uh, I graduated college in 2002, so we were in a recession at the time, and I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. And so I I knew I wanted to live in New York City. That was all I knew. And I was interviewing for jobs, fell into a company that was called the Community Preservation Corporation. I got a job as an assistant, basically as my money from graduation was running out. And so took this job, didn't know what a mortgage was. It was a mortgage company. I didn't really know what that was when I started and fell in love with the people I was working with and what we were doing. It was a nonprofit. So it, it lent money to low and moderate income housing throughout New York City, New Jersey, Connecticut, upstate New York. And That's interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. And it was a way I just kind of grew up while I was there, too. I was there for nine years. At some point decided I really like this industry and I like what I'm doing. So I'm going to go to school. And the company I was working for also paid for a bulk of my school. So I went to NYU and I got my master's in real estate. And that kind of solidified, this is my career and this is what I'm going to do. So from there, uh, I made it through the Great Recession. 
working at CPC. And well, well done. <laughs> yeah, it was also in school. I started uh, NYU in January of 2007, which was the height of the market. Everything was great. Basically, all of the professors we had were like, you are all going to be millionaires. You cannot lose money in real estate. Leverage everything. This was the message that yeah. they were telling us. Yeah, well, that's kind of like the last 10 years in the stock market. Everybody thinks it's easy to make money, which is true. Yeah. When interest rates are zero. Um, exactly. But, so, but how did you feel when you were in school and then all of a sudden it was Armageddon? What did you think? So it was, it was an amazing time to be there because I think I learned things and understood things in a way I never would have just on my own. Because all of the professors there are adjunct professors, so they are working in the industry as I am. So we were learning real-time things. And you know, I had a corporate finance class that basically the first week, the professor said, I don't know what we're going to talk about. What we talked about last time was the fall of Bear Stearns. And we talked about how I knew that was going to happen. And he was like, but I don't know what the topic for this semester is going to be. And then the next weekend was when Lehman Brothers fell. And that was what our entire semester was about. And it was really, and it was in real time, right? This was happening. People down the street were carrying boxes out of their buildings. So it was, it was interesting. I was, I felt a little protected in the fact that I worked for a nonprofit. So we were doing a lot of things that were backed by, um, you know, government subsidies and stuff like that. So we didn't really feel the impact of the recession until about a year or two later. Um, because we had all of these subsidies and all of that. So I found myself in a time that was actually pretty good for me because they had invested in my education. We were safe for a little while. And then I owed them time back because they paid me for my education. So I kind of had this safe little bubble for a bit where also people were getting laid off. And then I got promoted, but it was like, well, we're not paying you as much as we're paying these other people. And so you can kind of come in here and do that, but you have a job. And at that point, you know, everybody just needed a job. Exactly. So I found myself very, I counted myself as blessed that I had a job. I had a stable place to be. Maybe I wasn't, you know, making as much money as I could have been, but I had a job and I had security there. And I was at CPC for nine years and I left in the summer of 2011 so I went to go work for a mortgage brokerage company at that point, decided that to take my education and go make some money now and found myself at a company that was just completely different culturally, pretty cutthroat, working all the time. I found myself in a place where that I never really wanted to be. I was never a person that I wanted my career to be my whole life. And all of a sudden I was working six days a week, 12 hours a day. And so before you went there and you interviewed with them, did, did you have any clue or inkling that they might have an environment like that? Or was it kind of a surprise? I mean, how, you know, did they kind of put on a uh, different front during the interview process? I think it was it was partially both ways. I, I knew that it was going to be different. I was ready for a change. I was ready for a challenge. I just don't think I understood what that challenge was going to be. And I ended up on a team that I originally didn't interview for. I worked uh, for another yeah. team first, so it was different. And I realized that team was not a fit for me. And in that time, they realized, oh, Danielle has a brain. We're going to put her on this very high-performing team. So it just kind of happened. It wasn't, I don't know that I necessarily intentionally picked that or knew five years later that I was going to be in a place where 
I was burned out, knew that I couldn't do this much longer and was looking for a change. So after you left there, where did you go then? I came to San Francisco. So I moved from New York. Um, In that time, when I started looking for a change, I had gotten a call from a recruiter and said, hey, I have this great opportunity in San Francisco to work for a startup. And my first reaction was, absolutely not. I live in New York. Why would I move to San Francisco? My family's here. My friends are here. I've got a great life. And he kept calling. And when I look back now, I realize that was a huge turning point for me. And I think maybe the third time he called, it was a Friday afternoon. I had had enough of my, you know, of the week. And he told me, I have this great opportunity. You should really think about it. And it just started my wheels turning of why not? Why not make the change and see what happens? The worst that happens is I can come back to my life in New York that I am not unhappy with my life. I'm unhappy with my job right now, but I can come back to my life or I could try something totally new and see what happens. And I'll, I'll say that did take a long time, right? The first time I talked to him, I think it was July 2015, and I didn't move till April 2016. What was the startup? What did they do? So it was also a, um, a mortgage company. It was a, a startup. It was a lender. Uh, it was called Plum Lending. And we were supposed to be lending to second and secondary and tertiary markets in a new way that was data-driven so that you'd be able to find clients in a different manner. I will say there, I learned a lot about startups Mm -hmm. of the way that those work are very different than a regular mortgage company. Um, So I think I got a taste of what uh, startup life is like, as opposed to really the commercial real estate world at that point, they kind of had melded together. And it was a totally different experience and thing I had never really been a part of before. Okay, so you're going to a startup. Did you ask to look at, you know, their financials to make sure they could sustain paying you and understand like what their actual condition was like? I will tell you that my questions now of working for a startup would be very different. They did have funding at the time. They had just gotten their Series A, but I didn't know much about how all of that worked and how venture capital works and how funding of those things work, how long a runway is, all of that that I learned while I was there. So I will say I would definitely have different questions now because I just know the other sides of it. And I've, I've told people who were going to work for startups like, oh, here's two pages long of questions that you should ask. Who is on your board? Who makes your decisions? All of that stuff matters. And I had no idea when going into that. So I don't think it would have changed my decision. But going forward working, and I will say I, I did interview at another startup while I was still at Plum. And I had all of these questions and the way that they were answered were total red flags for me. And I was like, I'm absolutely not working here. Right. I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself. You know, if you want to go work at a startup, what does it mean? How are you going to get paid? How long are you going to get paid for? What do their cash flows look like? I don't think these are unrealistic or taboo questions to ask because this is your career, right? And a lot of these places, they have money, but it's for a certain amount of time. And if some of their assumptions don't work out as to their success then it could be, you know, really bad for the employee who's moving over to do this, you know? And I think it's like 90 something percent of startups don't work out. So it just, but you know, it, I, I credit that for changing my life and moving to California, which I wouldn't have done on my own had I not had a job opportunity out here. So it didn't necessarily turn out the way that I thought it was, you know, being told like, oh, they'll IPO in three years and you'll be a yeah, millionaire. you'll be a trillionaire and it all will be great. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So 
So, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, that didn't happen, but <laughs> right. it was definitely an awesome experience and it changed my life for the better. Being able to like take a step out of my comfort zone, 3000 miles out of my comfort zone and establish myself here in San Francisco and build a life for myself out here that was just really my own. And I think, you know, the universe works in strange ways, right? That part of it was to get you there and realize that you might enjoy living there and be thriving there in a way that maybe you couldn't do in New York. And I moved to London uh, when my children were young and I was in my first marriage and my ex-husband was uh, recruited to go to London and it's only supposed to be for two years. We ended up being there for 14 years. But I can say that that experience changed me in so many ways because I had to create a whole new life in a place where I didn't really know anybody and it has helped me in all of the other things that have gone on in my life, whether in my career or not, but especially in when I came back to the United States and started into the wealth management business, I had been a lawyer and a banker and then I owned a company for a while, but it gave me the skills to be malleable and to be a little more courageous and to know that uh, sometimes when you're making a change, it's a little bit difficult, but actually when you settle in, if it's right, then you, it was worth all the effort to do it. So I think it's, you know, I think you were brought to San Francisco to kind of start this journey. So, okay, so you're in San Francisco, you're working for the startup, what happens? So I was there for three years. Um, I would say the first year and a half were great, surrounded by really smart people, was learning a lot, felt like we were all moving in the same direction. Probably around one year and a half-ish is when the money started running out. And so there were people who stopped getting paid. The level above me stopped getting paid. I did not. I, so that was good for me. A lot of people, then those people all started leaving and sitting in a room and looking around and realizing that now there's not, I'm not surrounded by really smart people and I'm not surrounded by people who I'm inspired by or want to learn from. And so I made the decision to leave. Leadership had changed and it was just not what I had signed up for originally. So I left there in 2019. Did you feel fear? What did you feel at that point? When there's turmoil in this company, it, it looks like it might be going down the tubes. Everyone's yeah. bailing out or they're getting fired. What were, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? It's, it's very interesting because they got their Series B funding, I don't know, sometime in 2019, maybe 2018. And I remember just being like, just let it be over. Right. Like just, yeah. just end it. So I don't have to make a decision and I can just, you know, there was a part of me that was just like, just let this end. Like we're just hanging on. And they got their series B funding. And I remember I was visiting my parents in Florida and a friend that I work with called me and was like, Hey, they're um, popping champagne over here. We, we got the funding. And I was like, we, we did. did? And that was, it was right. And like, that was a huge signal for me was that oh, this isn't, doesn't seem like a good thing, right? Like this should be exciting. We should be popping champagne. And I, on the other hand, the feeling I had inside was like dread, like, oh, this is going to continue to go on. And I think that's when I really decided like time to make a move. I need to get out of here. And this isn't, this isn't where I should be. Whatever happened to them? They're still around. Oh, there, they, there you go. They somehow survived it. But that's very stressful, too. You know, I mean, just going through the turmoil of that and not knowing where it's going to end and also seeing all these other people be let go. That just must have been really gave you pause. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it wasn't very comfortable. When I look back at it now, it's like easy to say that because I'm removed from it. But at the time, it was very stressful. And I think that there was a part of it that I just wanted it to be over. I just wanted it to be done. Like, just let's finish this. So that's when I started, you know, realizing like I need to make changes and I need to find the thing that I really want to do. And I thought that was still in commercial real estate at the time. And I found another job. And I actually, I want to put this in here because I don't count it on my resume, but it was, I made a move. I was leaving Plum and decided I had two job offers on the table. One fell through at the last minute for whatever reason. And I took a job that I was going to pay me more money, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. And I went against my gut and I took it anyway because I felt like, okay, I need a job. Right. And it didn't work out. Very quickly, it didn't work out. And that was a sign to really trust myself. Like I knew when I started that job, like this isn't this isn't the thing. Like they're paying me a lot of money, but I know that this isn't what I want. Right. So, and then after that, I was unemployed for about six months. After that, like I feel like for years, my fear was always not having a job. And after those six months, I realized the world continued to turn Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everything is okay. And I was able to survive and I was able to find a job that I wanted. So let me just stop you there for a minute because I'm sure all of our listeners are thinking, okay, so how did you fund your lifestyle during those six months? Did you have a savings? Did you have emergency savings? How did you sustain yourself for that time period? Yeah, I had savings that I had to dip into. um, And that and unemployment. And so I was able to live my life and I put some money on credit cards and I have paid, you know, so I I think. Uh, And sometimes, sometimes you got to do that. I mean, you know, we always say don't use credit cards, but you know, let's get real. You know, there are moments where you do have to use credit cards Mm -hmm. um, and you will pay them off or, you know, that has to be your goal. But sometimes you got to get over the hump, whatever you're going through. Um, It's just when you use credit cards with reckless abandon, just in general, that it's a right. problem. So, so you you had some money, you had your unemployment and you, you know, you used credit cards and you got through the 6 months. And then what happened? Cuz I'm like on tenterhooks now. <laughs> I want to know what happened. So, there was a group that I had started talking to that I I was introduced to through a network that I I um belong to which is Commercial Real Estate Women and through that, I I highly, highly recommend networking is how you are going to get a job. Networking is how you're going to meet people. And so through that network, when I said, I need a job, this is what I'm looking for. I was introduced to a group and I was actually introduced to them while I was still at Plum and decided this is the group I want to work for. And I pursued them for a good eight months. Came in, I had met with them, wasn't the right time for them. They were going through some other stuff. And I networked my butt off and everybody that I met in San Francisco who said, I don't have a job for you now, but who else are you talking to? What are you looking to do? I mentioned this team's name and they said, oh, you'd be a great fit for them. Let me give them a call. I don't know how many phone calls they got. I don't know what it was, but they did finally hire me. And so I started working for this group and I, what I thought was my dream job. It was doing business development for um, a multifamily debt group mm-hmm. that provided mortgages on multifamily. For a really large company for CBRE. And I was really excited about it. And I was figured this is the time I can finally take all that I know about commercial real estate, about underwriting, about mortgages, about debt, all of that stuff. And I can turn that and use my personality, my God-given extrovertedness and networking skills and relationship building. And I can 
put this all together and it's going to be great. And then, so I started that job in December of 2019, was looking forward to going to conferences and shaking hands and taking people to dinners and, and being the face of this group. And as everyone knows, a couple months later, just as I was felt like I was getting my footing and I was learning, I was learning the company and I was learning our clients and our team, the world shut down and we all went home. So business development kind of stopped for a while because it was definitely in the beginning, it was a, how do we, how do we continue to move on? Right. How are we all working from home? How all the things that everybody went through. And for a while, I was like, cool, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. I'm here to help out. And, you know, San Francisco is still barely back in the office. And, yeah. you know, we're yeah, they're the, a little behind the eight ball, I think, compared to yeah. other parts of the we country. Were the first to sh- we were the first to shut down as well. So there, there's a wonderful thing about living in a liberal city. And then there's other things that yeah. are a bit much. So we were the first to shut down and probably the last to reopen. So... I, you know, we're in the middle of 2022 at this point and people are kind of back at work, but definitely not full time. And so we just never went back. And that became an issue for me of being home all the time just wasn't really working for me, number one. And I just didn't feel connected to my team in a way that I had before and in a way that I need connection in my life. So that became a hurdle. And in 2020, one, June of 2021, I realized there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else because this isn't it. I thought this was going to be it and it's not. I just had this like nagging feeling of like, there's something else, there's something else, there's something else. And part of that, I think you mentioned in the beginning, my podcast, The Opposite of Small Talk, we had started that right before I started this job. So in October of 2019, we had started The Opposite of Small Talk. And it became the most fun thing that I do. I love it so much. And it has morphed into this thing that I never thought was possible, where it has created this network where I get to talk to people like you and I get to meet other amazing people who are doing the things that really they're passionate about. So I saw on your on your website or somewhere the text message, you know, I guess it was on Mm -hmm. the podcast website or on the podcast. And it's, you know, and I thought, okay, so that was really cool. You know, you're on one end of the world or the country and um, Christy, Christy, Christy's (laughs) on the other end. But what made you both want to do this podcast? Like, what was it? You just what was the driving force? Because, you know, it's a commitment. Yeah. So I would say Christy is it was her idea. Um, A hundred percent. She just approached me and said, uh, do you want to host a podcast with me? And what I said was about what? What are you even talking about? And her response was, you spelled yes wrong. And (laughs) then we started. And so it was something that she had, she had planned um, that she wanted to do in order to build her brand. And I just kind of went along for the ride. At the time I was unemployed and just thought like, okay, this could be a fun project. We'll see what happens. And it just started about the two of us talking about personal development, professional development, we kind of felt that we were on the same path of both kind of exploring new things. And so when we would get together, we'd be talking about the latest books we read or the podcasts we listened to and those different ideas. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she had reached out to me about that. And we, we started just the two of us talking. And after a while, like, I don't know, there's only so much the two of us could talk about things, right? We had different topics. And, and then what got really fun was when we started bringing on guests. 
And that has just opened up this whole other world I didn't know was possible of people are willing to talk to you. Oh, yeah. And people love to share their story because other people want to hear them. You know, we all can learn yeah. from each other, right? We're totally interconnected, even though sometimes people try to tell us that we're not, but we really are. And I think we can learn so much. So let me ask you a question. You're unemployed again because you affirmatively quit the job at the commercial real estate with the, the company in San Francisco. Yes. So that was, that was, and then I had a small stint someplace else. And then I, so I was unemployed. This is 2019 when we started the podcast. And then I, in this time was when I was working to start working with CBRE. So I'm at CBRE. We're in the pandemic. We are recording podcasts, which I am so thankful that that was a thing during that time because it was such a wonderful way to connect with people and something to do when you were trapped in your house. So when we started talking to people, we kept hearing like similar themes. And a lot of them were, I had this corporate job. I had the title. I had the money. Something was missing. I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't know what it was. And so I decided to start my own thing. And a lot of those people were coaches in some way or another. Were coaches, then became, then were speakers, did workshops, wrote books, all of that stuff. And after hearing that story, a lot of times I finally started thinking to myself, like, why can't that be my story? Like, why can't I do this thing that every, all these people who are talking to me are telling me they've done it. It's not just, oh, I read this book by someone who tells me they did it. Like, this is a person I'm actually talking with and now can have a relationship with. So in the summer of 2021, I hired a coach. Okay. So that was your first step, right? You're like, I, I need to get in touch with my inner, you know, motivations, whatever word you want to use. Exactly. So, so you actually hired a coach. Mm -hmm. So I started working and basically actually the way that I found him was I was looking for guests for the podcast and someone had sent me a, a workshop that he did that it was like recorded. And I reached out to him for that. And there was something there that I was like, I actually, I want to work with you. I want you to be a guest on my podcast, but I also want to work with you. And that started a whole other journey that was really introspective. And it was really figuring out what are my strengths? What are my abilities? What are the things that light me up inside that I'm really good at? What is it that brings me joy? That And then what are the things that are holding me back from those things? So through that, I decided that I was like, what you're doing is what I want to do. I want to help other people figure this out. And so a couple of different things happened to make me make this leap was, so I started working with him in June of 2021 and had the, you know, the inkling in the back of my head, like, I think this is what I want to do and was getting more comfortable with the fact of, and really exploring, is this what you want to do? And in August of 2021, my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And I think those two things together really made me be like, what am I doing? Right? Like you have this like, life is short. What are we going to do? And I wasn't happy with where I was. Just, I think a lot of it was circumstantial of, with the pandemic. And then just doing this work and realizing like, oh, I put myself in this category 20 years ago. and. I can change. Like just because I have a master's in real estate doesn't mean I need to do this for the next right, 30 years. Right. But I think we have been inculcated as 
through our schooling and our value systems to be very linear about this stuff and that we need to, you know, stay in our lane and try to, you know, put the 10 years in to become experts. You know, there's a certain amount of time of doing mm-hmm. something. And and so when you want to move outside the box, a lot of people will say, but why would you want to give up such a lucrative career where you've got security and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not proposing that anyone be totally irresponsible, but I also think that we all need to really think about what brings us joy in life because to your point uh, with your mom, you don't know when anything's going to happen. And so you have to maximize your time, right? So you had the trifecta, right? You had, you know, the whole COVID thing, which I think gave a lot of people time to reflect in a way that they haven't done in many, many years. Um, It kind of turned the work thing on its head because everyone had to just stop and just think. It gave me an opportunity. I know I looked at my life and I was looking at all the things I was involved in and I was like, dang, why am I involved in all those things? I'm running around like a crazy woman. Um, and then mm-hmm. I just started peeling back, you know, all these things. And and then I realized I loved doing the fiscal feminist like you. So I started writing. I was really writing my book during that time as well as my wealth management practice, which I love. So I was able to do my job. I was very, very lucky in the sense that that carried on through COVID. Um, but I think that you had the trifecta right there that really pushed you probably to the next level. So your mom gets six. How does that affect your decision making and where you're at? Yeah, so I think that it it affected my decision making in making what's important important very clearly. Like my family is the most important thing to me. And so I didn't want to give up my career and move to New York. But I also wanted to know that I could spend time with her as needed Mm -hmm. and I could be there when I needed to be. So it just and it was just a kind of you're never prepared for that. You're never prepared to, you know, have this diagnosis that she was fine. And all of a sudden she has stage four cancer. So it just gave me that moment of like, what the hell is going on? And is this what I want to like where I want to be spending my time? And it just became very clear doing this work too, that this wasn't it. It was kind of sad. I feel like there was a point and probably before I started doing this work of almost like grieving what I thought was going to be my dream job Mm -hmm. and wasn't. Right. And then realizing, okay, then there has to be something else. And I want to do the other thing. Cause also I was at 20 years in my career. So having that moment too, of saying like, wait, am I going to do this all over again? Right? Like I've got another 20 years at least in me. So am I going to double this? Like, I'm going to double down on it. And I don't think that's it. I think I need to take the leap, do the brave thing, the thing that feels really uncomfortable, but it feels more like me. Right. And I don't know if you've read this book. I just became aware of it in the past few weeks by a guy named Marcus Buckingham called Love Plus Work. Um, And he's a researcher and an analyst, he works for all kinds of companies and he's written many books about people and jobs and how intentional selection, but also just trying to be a happy human. Um, But this book is really, uh, really resonated with me because he talks about these things called the red threads that we all have. And these are the things that we enjoy doing and time goes by very quickly. It's not like we have to get through them. And so maybe some of these we can make our careers. Some of them we may have to only have as a hobby. But I think it's really um, a really provocative book because it makes you really think about how you spend your time and 
whether or not you really enjoy what you're doing in your career, you know? So is it like you get up during the day in the morning and think, I got to get through this day so I can get to the day part of the day where I can leave this and I don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, that's an, to me, that's an unfortunate way to live your life. Cause like you said, you could be doing something for 20 years and that's a long 20 years. If you're only really living your life between like six o'clock at night and whenever you go to bed, mm -hmm. you had this epiphany, right? That there's something more to what you want to do and you're feeling it kind of in your gut, I think. And that's guiding you. What, were other people saying to you, were they saying, hey, Danielle, like this sounds a little irresponsible or were supportive. And then, you know, were you feeling cautionary or were you just like, I know this is the right thing. I'm going to figure it out. I have belief. And if other people are telling me no, I will answer them up to a point, but I'm just going to go do what I want to do. How are you dealing with all the outside kind of, you know, information? responses that are coming at you when you're trying to go through this personal journey internally to make this big change? So I will say working with a coach was really helpful. And at the time I had a coach and a therapist. I highly recommend, I believe that everybody needs, you need outside people who are not invested in your story, who are not, right. you know, that are not your partner, that are not your parents, that are not your siblings, that are not your friends, people who are there in service of you and what is best for you and don't have anything riding on it, right? If they don't have any personal or financial, whatever gain it is, right? A lot of times they just want the best for you, but that's not always the, the move that it makes. So I will say having that outside help was really- Have a team. This is a tactical takeaway from this, right? Mm -hmm. As a coach who had a coach, Danielle is telling you, have a team. Whenever you're doing any kind of transition, whether it's a job or a family transition like a divorce, always have a team. And on that team should be a coach of some sort. Um, in this case, a life coach, I guess, mm -hmm. um, and a therapist. I mean, because sometimes these transitions are very difficult and even if you want them. So have yeah. a team. So I think that's the first takeaway that you're providing with the audience mm -hmm. as a coachy and a coach yourself. Yeah, I think that that was very helpful. So. I was confident in what I was saying for myself because I had other people to bounce this off of. I was having very real conversations where I could be vulnerable and didn't have to worry about judgment from others because these were two people who were not there to judge me. They were there to help me. Right. So that was big, was being able to, to really feel confident in what I was doing on my own. And then I will say people have been really overly supportive, which has been great. People have said, you're so brave. I can't believe you're doing this. You're taking a leap. You're, this is amazing. And there definitely have been some people who said, wait, what do you mean? What, how, how are you going to, what are you doing? Like you have a good job. Why are you leaving? Um, and my answer to that is, you know, yeah, I had a good job and I, I can't live in this place of feeling like I'm only working for a paycheck or I'm only like just not wanting to get out of bed in the morning because this is going to be a really boring day. So I think knowing that I was super aligned with what I was doing, and now that I've been doing it, I feel more aligned in my life than I ever have. Mm -hmm. So it was just knowing that like, and doing the research, not, I didn't just say like, wake up one morning and say, oh, I think I want to do a, be a coach. Yeah. And that was a question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Okay. So you make the decision, you feel it, you have the tipping, the tipping point has come. You, you want to be a coach. You've 
you just mm-hmm. think from all the stuff that you've been looking at talking to people. So what did what were the factors that you considered to choose to be a coach and how did you plan for making that transition? So I talked to a ton of people. I'm very lucky that through the podcast, I've met a ton of people who are coaches Mm -hmm. and talked to a lot of them about like, what is this really like? What does your business really look like? What does your day to day look like? Um, and, and had some conversations about that. What is the earning potential? What are the Mm -hmm. things, you know, and I have people that said, okay, this is how much money I made in my first year, which was not a lot, but this is how much money I made last year. And it was a lot. And also you're an independent contractor, right? So, you know, you're going to have your own LLC or whatever, but you'll be taking care of your own health insurance and you are an entrepreneur as well as a coach, right? So there are Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial aspects to what you're doing that you need to think about because you have to Mm -hmm. handle all the things that your employer would have taken care of for you in your past jobs. Yeah. So there was definitely all of those considerations. And then I ended up, having a very like candid conversation with my boss at the time. And he was great. And he was supportive. Basically, we had a conversation and he said, do you like your job? And out of my mouth just came no. And I think that kind of surprised him. And he, you know, we had a conversation. It was actually just about a year ago. And so he said to me, listen, I understand like what you're doing right now isn't working. Do you want to be someplace else on this team? Do you want to be someplace else in this company? Do you want to be with another company? Because I will support you and I will help you as much as I can. But this isn't working. I think we've both agreed that this isn't working. And I will give you, you know, let's say in three months, we part ways. And so this was October of last year. And by November, I had signed up for my coach training. Like was thinking, do I want to do something else here? Do I want to find another place to be? And it just became really clear, like, I feel like I'm just postponing the inevitable. Like, I think I figured out what I want to do and I just want to do it. And right. part of that is my my personality, like, I'm working on the all or nothing, that that doesn't have to be it. But this just seemed like, yeah, I could stay here and I could, you know, fake it for a while. Or you could stay there and you could do it on the side, you know, get your coaching, yeah. uh, you know, kind of qualifications and then start your coaching yeah. business on the side. So what was your coach telling you during this period? How was he advising you? Was he giving you advice or was he being provocative and helping you think? What was the what was the method to this coaching? I would definitely say it was being provocative and making me think about things. Um, And that's part of coaching. Coaching isn't telling you what to do. Well, that's another question I want to talk about when we kind of get a little further along, because I do want to know, like, what is coaching to you or what should we, if we want to get a coach, which we, which we be looking for and what should our expectations be about the coaching experience? Cause I don't know, like part of me is like, well, I'm going to go to a coach and they're going to help me figure out everything that I can't figure out on my own. And maybe they'll just give me and say, you should do this, that, and that, and the other. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to think about it too much. Is that realistic? So let's just talk personally about what your coach was doing with you. And then maybe we can segue into what you think the role of, you know, a coach should be why anyone should even hire a coach. Are there different like kind of buckets of coaching? You know, is it always about career or is it about what you want your life to look like, which I guess career fits into? I don't know, but I'll leave you to discuss that. I mean, it's very much asking like, what are the things that you want to bring out in people, you know, and asking me about what it means for me to be a coach. What does that look like? what is that going to do for my life? Mm -hmm. And how do I see that fitting in? Or how do I see that blending into my life? Or 
how is that going to enhance my life? So it was really doing like, what are the things, what are my values and how does that serve them? Like, how does the, my values of connection and growth and curiosity, how do those fit into this? And how does, if making this leap, how does it honor those values to make sure that I'm living my values? So all things like that, and, and just really doing some deep work into the why of why you do things. Like, right. what are the things that are, and what has been holding you back from doing that? Right. And, and what did you think was holding you back from being, I guess, maybe your authentic self, or maybe it was a journey for you to figure out who your authentic self is? And we might not know that at 25. It might take us a little while to get there. And part of our journey, all the things that we experience hones in the idea more and more of who we really want to be. What were you thinking about that? What was holding you back? The whole thing was, was you have a good job. Why do you need more? Right? Like all the things of you can go on vacation when you want. You could do what you want. Like why, why do you want to give that up? Why do you want to give this stability up? So there's a part of that that I think is ingrained in us. You got a good job. You've checked all those boxes. Right. So why do you want, why do you want to upset the apple cart or, you know, rock the boat in any way? Like just keep doing what you're doing. And I think that's a big thing in general that holds everybody back, right? Is the, okay, well, you have this, this, and this. Right. And for some people, it's you have the husband, the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence. You should just be happy. Right. Or you live in a city and you have a really good paying job and a nice apartment. You should just be happy. And so is that enough? For some people, it is. But sometimes it's not. And if we don't do that, really like examining what's going on, is that, you know, is that enough? And for me, what I realized was, oh, all these things are great but there's something else that I'm meant to do. So you listen to your inner voice. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. I think we're allowed to wanna be our authentic selves, whatever that might be. And sometimes I think we're a little bit afraid to explore that because it's outside the box thinking sometimes. If you don't want the 2.5 kids in the picket fence and you don't wanna get married and you know do all the stuff as a woman society tells us they would like us to do or they at least used to tell us but i think they still kind of tell us that now mm -hmm. i as i've grown older you know i was an only child i was a straight a student i was valedictorian in my high school class i went to law school you know i was like an overachiever all those boxes yeah crowd pleaser from day one and as i've gotten older you know i've realized with all the ups and downs and over and arounds all i really have is myself and also the things that I enjoy doing, right? Because if I get up every day and I feel like I have to just get through the day, that is a gnarly place to be. I've been in that place and it is not cool. And it makes you unhealthy. It, you just cannot maximize your happiness. So I think that a little introspection, I think coaching is, is very important because sometimes we can't see the forest from the trees. We can't disconnect all the stuff in our brain and we just need someone to help us do that. Therapy is one thing, but this is different because I think it's for you to figure out what your most productive person can be, whatever that looks like to you. The difference between therapy and coaching, therapy is to heal your past and traumas you have from your past that might be blocking you from different things. It's to work through what is that and how do I heal that? Right. Coaching, I don't honestly, as a coach, not that I don't care about your past, but that's not what we're focusing on. We're focusing on where do you want to get to next? I love so that. Yeah. let's just figure out where we're, we're at this point right now. How do we get to point B? What is point B? 
And then how do we get there? What's holding you back from that? So it's just that that's the difference. I think everybody should have a therapist and a coach. That's I know that's a, a highly Honestly, I think I think having a coach is, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at in your career. There's always different stages of a career, right? You have the growth period, you have a plateau, then maybe you have a shift into something else. I don't know, but I know even in my own career, you know, there are moments where I sometimes feel overwhelmed because I'm, you know, I love my wealth management business and I, you know, that's like my main thing. And I, I love my clients. I love what I truly love what I do. Being at the Bonson Group is really great for me and I love my coworkers and it's been a real amazing journey for me. And it just kind of evolved, like you said, because I was looking to do something that combined all of my traits and uh, expertise and the things I like to do that was different than being a lawyer or a banker. And so wealth manager kind of let me have a little more personality and have more one-on-one -on -one with people, you know, which I really enjoy. I enjoy helping people change their lives. Uh, not so, you know, corporations when you're doing B2B, it's a little impersonal business. But, you know, then I really have this passion for the fiscal feminist. So sometimes, you know, as this is all kind of rolling along, I think, well, there's only so many hours in a day and, you know, uh, what should I be putting my focus on and what do I really want to achieve here? And it would be helpful to have someone that I could bounce that off of and say, you know, what am I not so much business planning? It's more how do I want to spend my time, you know, mm -hmm. um, and what's going to make me be the best me. So if someone is thinking about changing their career or changing the whole thing, you would recommend them going to a coach because um, it sounds like, you know, especially someone like you, you've been through it, you walked the walk, you did it yourself. So you know what to look for and what you're going to probably experience along the way. But what would you tell people to look for in a coach? How do you evaluate that the coach is legitimate? The coaching style of this person makes sense for you? Are there different styles of coaching? How does someone even begin to select that? So my suggestion would be number one is you should always have, before you sign up with anything, most coaches will provide like a chemistry call, have a 30 minute, an hour long, whatever it is to sit down and talk about what you're looking for, but also do we meld? Because you need to have, there needs to be trust. There needs to be, you need to have like a relationship together, right? And know that you can feel comfortable with this person and all of that. Because you don't want to sign up to have somebody help you and you feel as though like, I don't want to share this with this person. I don't trust this person. So that's really important. Number one, I think is just like the comfort level. And I will say when I met my first coach, I knew I kind of wanted to find a coach, but I was really, I was kind of teetering on it. And then we met and there was something I can't explain it. It was an energy between us. It was something. And when we got off that call, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to work with that guy. And it was, we had a great relationship. We worked together for a year. I started my coaching training while we were still working together. And then we parted ways because it was time. And that's also part of the coaching relationship is some people will be with people for years. Other people, it's a couple months. It's just, it's whatever works. And I think that's also an important thing to know is that it's not, it could be forever. It could not. And that's okay. And your coach is there in service of you. And so I will say when I was telling Michael, like, hey, I think I need to move on. And I, I needed a different coach for while I'm going through my certification to become a coach. I needed somebody who had different credentials. And the conversation I was so nervous about having, which is also what he's prepped me for, right? To be this person, to show up as myself and to be honest. 
And we had the conversation. He's like, yeah, no, Danielle, like I totally get it. And I think you're right. I think it's time. Like we've done our work together and now you need somebody different. And so that's the other thing too, is like it, 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 he walked the walk of being a coach too, of not feeling as though like making me feel bad or, or anything like that. When we, we parted ways and we're, we're friends, we text each other all the time. Like we have a relationship now that's a little bit different as like a mentor and a friend, as opposed to a coach and a coachee. Um, and I'll say there's a million types of different coaches. You can find a coach for whatever you want. There's a million niches out there. So if you are a new mom who feels like I need help and I don't know what to do, there's coaches out there for that. There's coaches, executive coaches that are just based on that career coaches. And do all these people have certain credentials that people should be looking for? I will say that there is not a like governing body of life coaching in or any kind of coaching in the United States. So anyone can say that they are They're a coach. coach. Right. So beware of that, guys. Just know you might have to do a little digging, a little research to just see what training or, or what qualifies this person to give you advice, I guess, you know? Yeah. So I would say that there, I'm the coaching program that I did is called Coactive Institute, CTI. And that is a hundred hours of classes. And then another hundred hours of in the certification, another hundred hours of coaching and another hundred hours of classes. So when I finish next month, I will have done 300 hours of coaching and classes before I get my certification. And then there's also an exam that I have to take to get certified. So I feel confident in the work that I've put in. Um, and CTI is a program that is recognized by the International Coaching Federation. And so there's also different classifications in that, that through the um, International Coaching Federation that you get after you have a certain amount of training. So when you Google people or you're going to look at them, just see what kind of credentials they have. I mean, 300 hours of, you know, all the schooling and the coaching, that's going to give you some, you know, props to be able to be a coach and say that hand to heart. How do you feel about your future at this moment? I'm really excited. Yay. I That's a great I answer. have thank you. Yeah, it's in the, I and we're coming up on like that year mark of when I quit my job and I wasn't even sure that I did. Like the right. day that I walked out, I had this conversation. Right. And I remember the next day my friend was like, Hey, how was your week? And I said, I think I just quit my job yesterday. And she was like, what? I and so it was definitely not, I can't say that I planned it in a way that was like this is gonna happen this day and this is gonna happen this day. Um, but it's been an incredible journey so far. The people that I've met have been amazing. The people that I'm coaching and have coached have been amazing. And I look forward to doing, you know, I've done a couple workshops. I'm looking forward to doing some speaking engagements and to just continue building this practice. And And, and do you have a niche? Like, is it, uh, pivoting or is it just career stuff? So I would say that I like to think of it like whole life coaching. So it's not just career stuff because everybody is a whole person. And so as much as you can say, well, this is my job and this is my personal life, they're still all together, right? Like they bleed into each other as much as you can compartmentalize. And I think we do that too much in a way where then you feel like you're failing at one thing mm-hmm. when you're doing well in another. And you and if we can find a way to bring that all together in a way that it's not a balance of it. It's a blend. Right. And how do you do all that stuff? You know, I had a client who I said, you know, the first thing we do, I always say, tell me your story. Right. Because I think that there's a lot of power when somebody 
tells their story in their way. And sometimes things come up that they're like, why did I just tell you that? Right. But right. apparently that's important. It's coming out from somewhere. And I had a client who just gave me her resume. And at the end of it, I said, don't you have a husband and three children? And she goes, well, yeah, no, but that's my other part of my life. And I was like, no, no, but those go together. Like you can't just discount one and the other. And we can focus on whatever you want to focus here. But I just want to be clear that you are a whole person. And right. I want to focus on the whole person. Because if you're knocking it out of the park at work, you're probably missing something at home. Right. And that's okay. How do you deal with that? And how with are you internalizing that, right? Because mm -hmm. sometimes you might not be happy with yourself about that, but you dig, you know, you kind of bury it because you're thinking, well, I'm doing mm -hmm. the best I can at work and I'm not going to be able to do both, whatever it is. But I think if you can have a coach who can help you reconcile a lot of different things and so how they all do come together into one beautiful kind of cabal of stuff that you're involved in, um, that is going to make you have a fuller life. If there's any advice that you would give to someone listening right now and saying, hey, I, I want to do what Danielle did. I, I'm, I'm ready for a change. I know it's the right time. What is the first thing they should think about? They should get a coach. What would you advise them about like how they should feel about it? What should they be thinking? Um, I think the first thing that you need to do is really do the inner work of knowing what's important to you. So if you're going to make the leap and the leap is, oh, I want to be, I want to be famous and I want to do this thing, but I just, because I want fame. Right. Right. Or I just do want to do it because I want money. Right. At the end of the day, that's going to be empty because it's not serving your inner values and, and the person that you are. The way that I know is like helping other people is important to me and lights me up inside. Interacting with other people, connecting with other people on a deeper level lights me up inside in a way that mortgages never did. Um, I, I so, can see that. <laughs> right. Which I, I guess that, that, that shouldn't be a huge, a, huge, uh, a huge surprise. But I think that just doing the inner work of knowing what's important to you, because what I will say is I never... I never hated my job. I was never like miserable in what I was doing, but I always just felt that there was something more. And now that I've taken the leap to do this thing that is more, I feel more aligned in my life than I ever have. Has it made your personal life a better place to be too? I mean, yeah. I don't know what it was, you know, while you were in the other jobs, but do you find like it's all more kind of holistically copacetic? Yeah, for sure. I think that I'm... I, I just feel more aligned with everything in my life. And the way that I'm approaching my personal life is the same as I'm approaching my business. I'm like, I'm showing up as my whole true self. And that's a thing that I didn't, I probably could have done, right? I could have changed the way that I was showing up at work in a different way, but it still felt like I was putting on an act somehow because it wasn't ringing true to who I was, or it wasn't deeply important to me the way that this is. Yeah. I mean, I think that you knew, you felt it, you acted on it. It took a little time to prove to yourself that you wanted to do it, which I think is good in a way that you went through the journey of these various different, you know, mortgage companies and had a chance to kind of really get to the end and say, okay, I've tried different versions of this and I'm, I'm just done now. And along the way, you saved some money. So you were able to kind of, you know, keep yourself afloat a little bit during times of transition. But I do think, and I guess what I'm hearing from you is that the most important things that we can do really is to try to be 
our authentic selves and really figure out what that is in a meaningful way and not chase after all the shiny objects of, you know, money and fame. I believe if you do something that you love and you do it with passion, you will have success, whatever that means to you. Unfortunately, I think in our schooling, even now, we don't teach our children to look for that. We want them to get into the best colleges so they go become a lawyer or a banker or an accountant or commercial realtor whatever it is, but there's not a lot of like, hey, what really does make you happy? Like, what are the things that, you know, you really enjoy Mm -hmm. doing and time goes by and you don't even think about it? So I think what you're doing is really important. And also I can hear the passion and the joy in your voice when you talk about it. So if somebody would like to retain you as a coach, what do they need to do? You can go to daniellemacombs.com and schedule hour long session with me. And we will get to know each other. We will talk about what you're looking for and see if it is a connection that works for both of us, because it needs to be a relationship where we can both trust each other. And, you know, I'm looking for people who are motivated and who are fun to work with and are open to really doing this exploration because it's not easy. I'm, I will be honest. There are times where, you know, definitely with my coach that I... I was talking to somebody about this the other day and I was saying, oh my gosh, that's so funny that I was getting so angry at him and it wasn't him. It was me, right? It was the thing inside of me. And so it's really taking the time to do that work and being honest about that. And it's not going to all be fun, but then there's other things that come out and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like this really is who I am. And so I think, yeah, anybody who is looking to know, I, I think people too, who know there's something else. They know that there's like this little thing on your shoulder that just like keeps coming up and you want to explore that more like that. That's what I want to do to help people find that thing. I think that's awesome. And honestly, everyone that's listening, check out Danielle's website. It's going to be in the show notes. Also listen to her podcast, The Opposite of Small Talk. It's got a lot of great guests on there. I looked at the roster and including Kimberly, (laughs) including me. And we had a great podcast the other day where she was interviewing me. Christy and her were interviewing me. I think what you're doing is so important, especially at this time. I think especially for women post-COVID, a lot of stuff happened during COVID for women, um, especially people who may need to work from home more uh, just because of other care responsibilities, whatever they may be, and um, or just preference. So I think those elements are also coming into it now, you know, because a lot of companies are saying, if you guys can go out to dinner, you can come into the office. Um, I have mixed emotions about how I feel about people like kind of lowering the boom and insinuating that if you're working from home, you're doing less, you're doing a lesser job. Mm -hmm. I know the days that I work from home, I end up working longer hours because I never get out of this office. Um, I was in the office in Newport. That's where my office is for the Bonson Group where I'm based yesterday and I was there, you know, till seven o'clock at night. I like being in the office. It was great. You know, I think it's easier to collaborate, just like what you said, uh, when you're in the office, especially if you're in business development. Plus I meet with clients a lot in person, but I think that we need to leave this wide open and not feel guilt. And so I think coaching right now can help a lot of women who did not re-enter the workforce after the, what they called the she session during COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're still trying to figure out where they fit in, how they want to fit in. And now they know they have more choices, right? 
You know, you don't have to be Wonder Woman. We cannot do everything perfectly. And so reconciling that and figuring out what's right for you is ever so important. So I think Danielle's your gal for that. She's the uh, woman who can talk to you about coaching, about transition, uh, about being your authentic self. And all of us could use a huge amount of help trying to figure that out. So check out our website, listen to our podcast. Um, that will be in the show notes. And let's leave it on a word from Danielle about some days you wake up and you feel dread, you feel fear, but overridingly, if you can get to the place where you're doing something that you like and you feel like all the parts of your life are meshing together, what are you working towards for people to, you know, kind of wake up feeling and owning? I would say wake up optimistic, like looking forward to what the day is going to bring, whether that is climbing a mountain or doing really well in a meeting or just sitting on your couch, but being optimistic and excited to see what comes next. And I think that's the the best thing that you could do is, is be excited to get out of bed every morning. I couldn't agree more. hundred percent. Life is so precious. We get so bogged down in all stuff that, you know, isn't good. And for me, I do my gratitude list and I'm like, oh yeah, I should be feeling freaking awesome this morning. Right. Cause I have this, I have that. I, you know, I could really, I could be sick. Who knows? You know, anything could happen as you know. I just wanted to plug one thing. Um, through the opposite of small talk, we are doing a 30 day choose your life challenge. And it starts on October 24th and it's a 30 day digital challenge. And you entered this perfectly of that part of it is having a gratitude list. And it's about being curious and being grateful for what you have. And it has some digital learning. There's some coaches corners. We do live events and it's, you could do it on your phone. You could do it on your desktop. It's really easy. Takes a few minutes a day has different thought leadership ideas. And it's in order to build your confidence to be able to choose the life that you want, right? So you're feeling more confident. You have a growth mindset. You know that you can learn new things. And it just builds that muscle for 30 days. And so our next challenge starts on October 24th. And anyone listening right now that would like to join, um, if you go to the opposite of smalltalk.com forward slash challenge, you can register. And if you use the code challenge eight, you'll get 20% off. So we would love to have you. It's such a fun experience and it's just an easy thing to do to kind of shift your mind into that mode of being grateful, being curious about what's around you. And, and is everybody doing it together? So you get to see the other people too. So it's collaborative and inspiring. It's collaborative. Perfect. Yep. Amazing. So there's, there's a wall of gratitude every day. You get to put things up and everybody sees that and then you can comment on it. So it also builds community within the people that are doing it which is my favorite part is building a community. Right. So um, would love for anybody who's interested in just starting to make some small changes in their lives. This is a great way to start. I think it sounds amazing. I love the idea of what you just said of building that muscle. It's a muscle and you need to work mm -hmm. on it just like you do to get your arms looking fly. So, you know, <laughs> I think it's I think it's really a great idea. So check out the challenge. Do it because I think you know, you're going to have a stronger change, authentic muscle from doing it. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, that's it for me today. Danielle and I have, I think, covered a lot of bases. I hope you uh, feel like you've, you know, gotten some great tactical information from this as well as just some general philosophical ideas. Danielle, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Really wonderful story. You're inspiring. So until next time, I'm Kimberly Davis and I'm the Fiscal Feminist. Thank you for joining me.
Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.